Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. All right, you guys know what it is. Hello, Trojan fans. Wow, hopefully that wasn't too loud. Thanks for coming to our cool little event here at Common Space Brewery in Hawthorne, California. This is a joint event with the Trojan Coaches Club. You see it on the wall here at uscfootball.com. Uh, thanks, really shout out to MD3. Where is he? Uh, he's been awesome. Uh, came up with this, uh, the idea for this event. We're like, let's do something for USC fans in June, and we got a bunch of people to come out here when there's really not a whole lot going on, but there is a little bit of stuff going on. So we have a fun event for you today. We're recording uh, probably five or six different podcast segments, just like we do on the Parastyle Podcast, but we're going to do it live, and we have beer, so that's way better than when not having beer. Um, We have our own little bar over here, so you guys can check it out, so thanks for coming out. Um, So on the piano right now, we got Keely Yor. You say hello. You want hello. Hi, everybody. Say hi, Keely. You're um, <laughs> Keely does an amazing job with us. She's a USC graduate as I well. Am. Started with uscfootball.com when she was a sophomore, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, she's been with us ever since. It was like five or six years now. Yeah, or? six seasons. Six seasons. Yeah, Holy crap! Crazy. You stayed around that long. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so we're going to start off with a recruiting segment. We have. Uh, He's been Gerard and I have been together for over 15 years. Gerard Martinez, follow him on Twitter at Gmart Live. Yeah, cheer for him, not Keely. <laughs> no, That's cool. Don't worry, That's no, Gerard's been amazing. Like we've been really partners in this for so long, and uh, no one's tied into USC recruiting uh, more than Gerard Martinez. So we really appreciate him being out here. And you know, it just so happened we picked this event uh, like uh, a couple months ago or whatever when we we're going to do this. No idea that like some huge recruiting story would be breaking like the day before. So we're going to first start off talking about uh, Brew McCoy. If you don't know who he is, a uh, five-star athlete. Some people think he's better as a linebacker. Some people better as a uh, wide receiver, but out of modern day high school and uh, signed with USC. You might remember that back in January and two weeks later said, peace out. I'm going to Texas. And uh, that was really, like, really strange. Haven't seen anything really like that before where you enroll at a school and two weeks later you leave. Went through spring football there. Now he's looking like he's coming back. He entered the NCAA transfer portal officially yesterday. So we're going to talk about that. If you guys have any questions and stuff, that's where we're going to start off with. But Gerard, thanks for coming in. He came all the way out here from Chino Hills. So it took him like four and a half hour drive. (laughs) Yeah, felt like it. Felt like we had, I know we had another Chino Hills here. Yeah, Chino Hills. We have Corona, Duggars from Corona. So we had some people wow. come from like That's all dedication. over the place. Rancho Cucamonga, wow. Sir Eric of Troy. Uh, yeah. He's always Eisenhower in the front row. High school. He's not allowed at the microphone, by the way. <laughs> yep. Just kidding, Sir Eric. He's um, bad. Yeah, so Gerard, well, welcome, Gerard, and uh, maybe you got, give us your take on this whole Brew McCoy <laughs> fiasco. So open ended, right? Yeah. Do you I, have seven yeah. seconds. Yes. Make no, it concise. What is your take on the Brew McCoy situation? <laughs> uh, I think what everybody wants to know. A little more? A little closer? I don't know if I can get closer. We can I turn them up. I think yeah. louder is probably going to be what's going to happen. Um, definitely a strange situation. Uh, certainly coming from USC, it was unique, as Ryan said. 
We'd never seen anything like it before until a few months later, Chris Steele decided to uh, transfer from Florida and do almost the same thing where he was here just a few months and decided to transfer out. And now Drew Brew McCoy decided, you know what, I'm going to one-up you, Chris Steele, and I'm actually going to transfer now to another school, probably USC. I think all of us are, are anticipating that he transfers to USC. A lot of people were hung up on the question of why he transferred from USC to begin with. There was really no specific details given on that. I think he felt like the culture, everything that was going on at that point, there was a lot of flux with the coaching staff. You have to understand that the coaching staff was not complete at that point. USC did not have an offensive coordinator. Cliff Kingsbury, who Brew McCoy had a good relationship with, uh, had a very good relationship with uh, Bryce Young, the quarterback at Modern Day Wright uh, High School right now. I think with Brew and Bryce really thinking they were going to be teammates and they're going to play together, they're going to be with Cliff Kingsbury with this new air raid offense. And then when that kind of was taken underneath him, he felt a little betrayed by the coaching staff. Now, I don't necessarily think that's fair. I think it is what it is. Cliff Kingsbury goes, he gets an NFL head coaching job, which is kind of hard to imagine. You know, you go from Texas Tech, losing season, you get fired, and hey, here's a head coaching job with the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think anybody believed that was going to happen. It happened. And I don't think USC was any fault for that happening, but Brew McCoy felt a little bit, uh, I think, uncertain about that. And then with strength and conditioning, they're not being a strength and conditioning coach there. USC was kind of just a, a kind of a mess. I think, you know, nobody really saw a lot of direction with the program, and that's why he left. Why he leaves Texas, everybody just says he's homesick. Certainly, I think that's a reason. I think there's probably other reasons as well. I think now he feels better about the direction of the program with USC. I think there are plenty of people that feel that you know, at least offensively, there's a little more of a plan there, and there's a little more uh, of a, uh, just a solid direction and certainty. And so I think, you know, that's probably the main reason why he feels better about coming back to USC. So it's now just a matter of when rather than if, probably. Um, I don't think there's going to be any other schools that are involved with him. There really was, at the end, only Texas and USC. It wasn't like Chris Steele, who had Florida, Oklahoma, Texas, or uh, uh, Oregon, and USC, the Chris Steele saga, and not to derail from Brew McCoy, is still a little bit uncertain as well. He's committed to Oregon. Uh, I believe June 20th is the actual date that he will have to enroll in Oregon to be officially a part of the football team and where USC can no longer talk to him. USC is still having conversations with him. He's still calling USC, so we'll see where that goes. But as of right now, he's going to Oregon, and he's committed to Oregon. Excellent. Uh, analysis, Gerard. One of the big things I think you would want to say is the way, you know, I know Clay Helton gets a lot of criticism here. The way Brew McCoy left, I feel like Clay Helton played it exactly right because he was very accommodating and saying, like, you know, we want what's best for Brew McCoy. He did not burn the, he could have been, you know, he could have burned that bridge. He did not. He only <laughs> had a $150,000 buyout. Oh, wait, yeah. no, sorry. That was kicks. Sorry about that. Uh, Go on, go on, okay, Ryan. Okay, Gerard. <laughs> but how big of a factor do you think that was that he did really was very accommodating to Brew McCoy when he left? And I know yeah. some USC fans were critical, like, hey, why don't you fight and make him block yeah. his transfer and yeah. all that stuff? But by not doing that, now you open the door for him to come back. Yeah, it definitely, I think they left on good terms. And he felt like Clay Helton was being honest with him, was being sincere with him and gave him the opportunity to do what he wanted to do. And that, you know, Clay Helton, I, I understand there's a lot of criticism about his coaching prowess, but certainly in terms of recruiting, a lot of kids talk about how much they like him. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a double-edged sword. Maybe they like him a little bit too much. You know, maybe he needs to be a little bit more like Nick Saban. Maybe he needs to have a little more edge like Tom Herman. I think it's going to be interesting to see 
how this transpires with Tom Herman and how he handles this. He may do the same thing and say, listen, Drew, if you don't want to be at Texas, then fine, go to USC, go wherever you want to be, and just cut ties. They've got a pretty good thing going at Texas. I think they feel pretty confident about the direction of their football program. So, you know, if it's different, we'll see how it goes. I mean, obviously, with Texas fans, it's been a little different. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah that They were like, yeah, USC fans, you guys are just sour grapes. You need to let them go and, and get over it. And now it's a little bit the shoe's on the other foot, and it's like, uh, screw you guys. You guys right. tampered. Yeah, so. And it's pretty re- remarkable. Just, I mean, this is the most unique situation we've ever seen in football recruiting. You've never seen a player who hasn't played a down in the position he was given a scholarship for transfer twice like at one time so this is amazing his the guys in his recruiting class they're like going to prom right now they haven't got to college yet he's already been at two colleges and might go back to another one like this has not really happened before so it's a pretty unique situation i think the ncaa transfer portal has opened up a lot of opportunities for really weird stuff to happen and i'm all for players being able to uh, migrate and go for different places but I think this is one of those situations where you need to kind of make some tweaks to the transfer portal because there's a lot of issues right now. I mean, the question is, do you think Brew will just be the first type of guy to do this? Like, 10 years down the road, are we going to be like, yeah, Brew was the first one to do it, but everyone's doing it now. It's like common. Will it be common? Maybe not as close as how he transferred back and forth, but do you think this will be more common given the transfer portal? I mean, it certainly could be. Once you do it, now you're like, oh, that could be done. I could transfer, and if I don't like where I signed, could transfer somewhere else and then transfer somewhere else. I'm waiting for the onion to come out with an article like, JT Daniels looks to his left and throws it to Amon Ross A. Brown instead of Brew McCoy. Brew McCoy, I mean, you know, Brew McCoy decides to transfer. You know, it's like one of like one play. Like, I don't know yeah. what's... This is very... It's, it's just... I don't think it's going to be that common, but man, this is a... Yeah. This could open up a whole new precedent. I mean, for Gerard, did you expect this from Brew? Because... You know, in the limited contact that I had with Brew, he was such a mature guy. You know, he has a, a good head on his shoulders, but then he's this guy who goes back and forth. Did you kind of expect him to, to do something like this? No. No, yeah. I mean, I don't think it was expected. Uh, it's hard to figure out if this is going to – I think some of it has to do also with the college players getting waivers and being able to come in. I think that's, you know, Justin Fields – um, if they feel like they can play right away after a transfer, I think that encourages the transfers. If you don't like your situation, go somewhere else. You'll play right away. You'll be able to play right away. You see a fit. And it also tempts the colleges to recruit. Now, we're talking about this being recruiting, and we need to be very clear about this. There is no recruiting in the Brew McCoy situation. USC can't recruit them. They can't have conversations with them. They can't talk to them. They don't even really know, need to know intermediary-wise what he's doing. It's better just to keep it very much, Brew McCoy is going to do what Brew McCoy does. When he enters that porthole. Portal. I say that. You guys no, listen to the I, podcast. Porthole. Oh, my God. Because it is a porthole. It's, it's like the a, NCAA transfer portal, portal. not no porthole. There's no eight. It's a porta potty. We are not in a submarine. <laughs> it's a porta potty hole. <laughs> no. Um, but when he, when he enters officially, then USC can begin to talk to him. Then that, that process begins. But, you know, we have to also remember that Brew McCoy has been through this process before. So he's not going to be dumb enough with his family who went and got a lawyer and they got lawyered up when he left USC because they wanted to do everything properly. They wanted to make sure that there were no, loop, there, there were no you know, eyes not dotted and cre- uh, teeth not tossed. They wanted to make sure they went through the process the right way. And so they're not going to go and just, you know, call USC and say, hey, you know, we're going to leave Texas before he's actually left Texas. So yeah. all that stuff has not happened yet. Um, but we, uh, we anticipate that he's going to probably end up at USC 
Uh, but Keely asked, you know, is this is this something that we expected out of him personally? Yeah. No, and, and I don't necessarily – and Ryan asked me on the podcast, does this hurt his reputation? I don't think – I mean, for me, reputation is more of the character side of things, and being indecisive doesn't necessarily mean that you have bad character or anything. Obviously, it'll be a question mark if he doesn't produce on the field. People will say, ah, well, you see – He's one of those kids who can never be decisive and never actually focus on one thing and, and commit to one thing. So that was part of the problem just from a personal standpoint. But that's going to be sort of in hindsight. I don't think we can make that, you know, that, that call yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it looks like Brew McCoy called an audible. He went to Texas and said, I'm calling an audible. I'm out of here. We're going to try to call an audible right here, right now. Okay. Uh, well, okay. So we want to get you guys to ask questions about uh, recruiting with Gerard. But we also want to get Arash Markazi up yes. here, and he has to go somewhere. So we're going to call a little audible. We're going to, like, swap out and bring in our – oh, we got Jake Olson's in the house. Very nice. Uh, we're going to bring up Arash Markazi. Then we'll come back with Gerard and, uh, Gerard and get some questions and stuff. So this will be a hot – this is going to be a hot just exchange. So okay. Okay. Arash, come on over here. Yeah. Um, so you guys know – do you guys know Arash Markazi? The LA yeah, Times. the Los Angeles Times. He's, He's like the, with the sweatshirt there we too. Yeah. Look at that. Bro, thanks for Gerard. <laughs> Gerard will be back in a second. I know you guys have a lot of questions and stuff for him. Arash, thanks for coming out. Thanks for um, having me. You already have LA Times swag. You're wearing it's a sweater. It's yeah. a sweater. Why not? Swag. Did they give you a sweatshirt like that that you had to like change in because you lost so much this. weight? I, well, that's that's true. Yes. I had to pay for the sweater. Wait, can I say something about Brew McCoy? Okay, sure. How young he is. So I when I was um, when I was a, a senior in high school, I, I just wanted to leave home. I wanted to like leave the cocoon. I wanted to leave Los Angeles. So I, walked, I went to the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism in Tempe. And I said, um, Arizona State's a fun place. Let me go have fun. <laughs> and it was a fun place. I had an amazing freshman year. But you know what it's not? It's not Los Angeles. Yeah. It's not USC. And sometimes you need to leave home to realize that. And he's a kid. You, you, you leave home. You go to your dorm. And you're like, you know what, this is not a bad place, but this isn't home. And I miss my parents, and I miss my family, and I miss my friends, and I miss USC. I really had a good time at USC. So you, sometimes you need to leave to realize what you have at home, and that's okay. That, that, like, does this shape his, you know, who he is? He's a kid. He's a yeah. kid. So uh, allow him to come home. This is his home. Nice. All right. just got to call him out of a rock. I was That's just saying, right. <laughs> you're just writing columns as you're here. You can exactly. Write, you can write this off now. Because yeah. that's exactly. Good. But like, I know, I mean, listen, I, I don't know what he's specifically going through, but I've been in that dorm before and I don't have my friends and I don't have my family. And I said, well, I wanted to leave home, but you know what? I actually don't. And the only way you know that is until you leave. And then when you leave, it, and it's okay to, to say, I want to come back home. And this yeah. is his home. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, so that's Arash Markazi, if you guys don't know. Actually, back in the day, almost worked for USCfootball.com very oh, briefly. I think I wrote right? a couple things. I Maybe, think, yeah, uh, like, right? Yeah. I think everybody's Way back in the day. Way back, yeah. But he's gone on, you know, just jumped leaps and bounds, like just done amazing <laughs> things. Uh, you probably follow me. You know, there's always, if you follow his Instagram, there's always, uh, you know, uh, it's pretty amazing. Like he's he's an amazing he's guy. Former song girls have been on my Instagram. There's, there's a lot. Yeah, there's been a lot. But you know, he his dream was to be a you know main columnist for the Los Angeles Times, and you are that now. So congratulations. Thank That's you so cool. much. Yeah. It's such a dream job. Yeah. So 
I, I never thought it would happen, but uh, you know, Dr. Patrick Sunxiang bought the uh, paper and he's uh, invested in it. And we had a conversation after he bought the paper. And when he said columnist for the Los Angeles Times, and I could uh, pick up the paper tomorrow morning <laughs> on Sunday and uh, see my picture on there, it's still very cool to me. So yeah, that's awesome. It's very a dream. Cool. And Arash has gone through an amazing journey over the last, how many months now? Uh, uh, September months? 25th, I started. I said uh, I was traveling a lot. Uh, it got to the point where I would have to get like a seatbelt extender. And I was like, man, this is not a fun way to live. And my parents and friends had kind of hinted over the years, like, listen, we just want you to like take care of yourself. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Why it was Tuesday, September 25th? 2018, I don't know. But then I, I put it online to keep myself accountable. And the cool thing about it is since then, so many people have joined me on this journey. So it's like day 179 for me or whatever it has been. And so just doing a little bit of, uh, you know, just doing some kind of cardio, some kind of exercise, watching what I eat. Um, you know, every now and again, I have like a cheat meal. But uh, yeah, just, just taking care of myself. And so that's been a cool process. But the coolest part that I, I never thought would happen is people joining me on this yeah. journey. Yeah, so, it's, really yeah. Cool. it's amazing. Yeah, we, well, I do see your Instagram in Vegas and you're eating like, you know, big, <laughs> you know some amazing meals and so stuff. So you can but. have steak, right? <laughs> I mean, you can, you can enjoy a nice steak. <laughs> but I mean, I've done it as well. Like I've lost 25 pounds over the last yeah. few months. And just, and uh, you, that was part of the reason I was like, you know what? It's like, you know, it was a different situation, but do I do appreciate that? So just Thank seeing you. your stories and everything. So yeah, I think yeah, you, yeah. I think you've inspired a lot of people and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Keely, weren't you in his class? I was, I was in your first class. My first at class. USC. Yeah. So. You so saw me when I had no idea what I was doing, and See, I still. But that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of showed me like, eh, let's talk about this today, or he'd take yeah. us everywhere. That's the fun part. It's like that was the cool part about that class. It was like a class of twenty, so you could still technically take them out to games and stuff. So we would go to a Lakers game, a Dodgers game. Clippers game. Yeah. Um, and he's Rick friends Riley with everyone. So. To our class. Yeah. So yeah. Rick Riley. Yeah. So it's, it it's fun. He, you definitely give the experience, the full experience to, because I went to Staples and worked a game after that. And I only knew where I was going because I went to your class. So yeah. it's, it, you actually give us real advice. <laughs> so yeah. Keely, uh, you were in my first class. Jake was in my, uh, and I say last class just for the time being. It's, it's a little bit of an awkward position. Um, being a columnist at the Los Angeles Times and being a USC employee, so I made the decision during the whole... Um, I, I got to sit down with Lynn first, and I was really proud of that because I, I went to the Pac-12 uh, tournament with the sole purpose of sitting down with him. And some people, you know, said, wait, aren't you a USC employee? And I said, well, technically. And so I had four really amazing years as a student, four amazing years as a teacher. But for right, right now, I'm not going to be coming back to teach, but it was really cool to have you in my first class and Jake in my last class. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Right. Um, your story, I mean, for you, what is being, you know, this is a lot of USC fans here. What is going, had gone to USC, what did that kind of help you? How does that help you, I guess, throughout your career? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, so the column that I did during the whole admission scandal was about how... Um, you know, if you've never been to USC, if you've never been a part of that Trojan family, it's really hard to kind of, uh, you know, kind of explain what that means. And so what I basically said was, like, that what, what the school is going through right now, and it's not good, it's not fun, um, it, does, it does not define that, that school for me. And so that school means so much to me because, I, like, anyone who has gone there to kind of teach part-time knows, like, you don't do that for the paycheck. They don't pay that much. They don't pay for parking. So you do it because of the passion <laughs> that you have being a part of that school. 
And so that's one of the more fun things that I was able to do in my career is I'm um, able to go back and teach and able to uh, graduate from there. And I was so lucky, Ryan, as you know, like I was there during the uh, Carson Palmer, Matt Liner, you know, so that be not just to be a part of that school, but to be a part of that school during that time period. Yeah. Where um, I don't care what the NCAA says, you know, we, we won <laughs> multiple national championships and multiple Heisman trophies. So that was yeah. a lot of fun. No, that's <laughs> that was pretty amazing. By the way, time. is Brew? He's not going to wear number five, right? That was just for the picture. That was look. If there was a picture we put out of Brew McCoy when he took a visit to USC. He had the number five yeah. on. We haven't heard. We're like, are you behind the hashtag free Reggie Bush? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Come on, like that's that's ridiculous. Yes. Like, how is this guy banned for life? It's ridiculous. From you, like the NCAA is absolutely insane. Yeah, well, I mean, say- I mean, here's where it's weird is that like he wants to take his wife and his kids to um, Heritage Hall. And I, I don't think he can right now. Now, listen, I think he could try, and I, I don't know if security would stop him. But yeah. it's, it's a weird position where he can't even technically work a game on campus or cover a practice. Right. So Tim's in the process of figuring that out, too, which is it's so r- ridiculous. It was such a long time ago. At least give a date where he can come back. Yeah. Chris Weber's had a worse situation at Michigan, yeah. and they gave him 10 years. Right. And then, like, after 10 years, he can come back. Yeah. Reggie getting a life sentence. Life sentence makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. It's amazing how long ago, I'm not saying you're old because I was older than you, but (laughs) that that was a long time ago. I know. You know, like, that was crazy. And it was a different time, and I hate to say it in that frame, but, like, the practices were totally um, open. Um, Heritage Hall was open. Like, you know, celebrities would be swinging by. Like, it, it wasn't. If someone's parents were, were were doing something they shouldn't have in San Diego, it's really a, a stretch to say Pete Carroll yeah. should have known or Todd McNair should have known. And uh, but yeah, you okay? You being at the DT back when USC was in the you know the heyday of yeah. this century, if USC wasn't as good as they were and put you in like a higher profile, do you think you would be where you are career wise? I'd like to think so, but I, listen, covering that team during that time period and getting to go, so I went when Carson won the Heisman and when Matt won the Heisman and Reggie won the Heisman, I went and, you know, so you, you get to the cover these, like, really big, uh, cool events, so I would like to believe so, but, I, I mean, it definitely helped. Yeah. It, it helped having sort of, like, be in the same press box as, you know, the New York Times and yeah. the LA Times and all these different... Yeah, publications. I so. mean, just national, like, for even for when we were running the site, you know, I got to meet a lot of these national uh, college football writers, like Bruce Feldman and I were, I don't know where Bruce is, you know, we became really good friends. Yeah. He was living out here, but, you know, he would be around USC a lot because USC was really good. So I, it seemed like... No, it te- certainly helped. Yeah. Yeah, there's when, no question about it, you know. I mean, and, and for them to be consistently good was always, it was huge, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's more fun, right? I mean, <laughs> My time has been a little different. But I'm glad you guys got that USC-Michigan Rose Bowl, right? Penn or State. Penn State. Penn State. I was just so happy that like, it was like really tough period of time, and I'm like, this may be one of like the top 
10 top five great games of all time. And for yeah. you guys to be able to kind of cover that was yeah. Like really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, that was, that, was, that, was, that, that was a down year for USC back in the day. So if you guys remember, it'd be like 2007 or 2008. <laughs> like, oh, we beat the crap out of Illinois in the Rose Bowl, but lost to Oregon State or whatever it was. Like, the USC fans were upset. They Poor were John David Moody wins like, what, three yeah. Rose Bowls or whatever? And I was like, ah. Uh, yeah. He didn't win the Heisman. He didn't win the national championship. 2016, <laughs> USC starts one and three, gets smoked by Alabama, but wins the Rose Bowl. It's like the greatest <laughs> thing. Like, that would have been, watermark. Yeah, people like jumping yeah. off buildings back in the early the early 2000s with that. But do you have yeah. anything for us? I mean, you speaking of Reggie, you talked with Reggie um, yeah. and made some news. It kind yeah. of stoked the Urban Meyer fire, if you will. Yeah. Uh, talk about that. How was that well, talking to Re- him? I think Reggie will be fun this year on Fox because he has no connection to the program, so he will be very critical of Clay if they're not winning and won't care because he has no connection to Clay. Um, And so when I brought up um, the Urban Meyer question, which was like, if they struggle, will you kind of recruit? He goes, oh, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely going to recruit Urban Meyer. (laughs) I don't think he knew he was going to make news. And like um, Urban Meyer didn't help the cause when he was like, well, I haven't totally closed the door. I don't know what I'm going to be doing the next year. So listen, if USC struggles... And in Los Angeles, you have two of the great Trojans of all time and a hot commodity head coach. I mean, like, that's going to be new. So, so something to watch for this upcoming season on Fox, I would assume. Because that's the question he's going to... I don't think he's done coaching. And if he wants to come back to a program that obviously is should be competing for national championships, then it's right here. I mean... Okay, but moral issues aside, there's some moral issues there with some of sure, the decisions of he's made. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, personally, I think he would be the perfect fit. He's not employed. He's in Los Angeles and all that stuff. Do you think the way the USC administration is, you know, with Lin Swan running the show, is that something that would even be considered? Well, they should. And if Lin's not considering it, he shouldn't be the athletic director, uh, which maybe some people would agree with that regardless. (laughs) But if if you got Durbin Meyer sitting in front of you and he's not like at the top of your list, I don't know what kind of list you're putting together. Right. Um, But you've seen USC's hiring practices in the past. They've not exactly. Now, I, well, yeah. Listen, I think there was a period of time that they had to go safe, right? Like, let's have our coach make it through the season. Let's not have a situation at the tarmac. Let's not have a situation at the, you know. Like, it was such a low bar for Clay, unfortunately. But now it's like, listen, this is USC. This is a school that should be competing for the national championship. And I think that that's the coach right there who you go through the list of schools that he's gone to. They've always competed. Yeah. So, I mean, Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, yeah. uh, Ohio State. For you... Looking at the, the direction that USC is going, you talked to Lynn Swan. Yeah. After last year, most everyone, if you said if USC goes five and seven, most people would say they're going to change head coaches. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Gonna, USC has a very tough early part of the schedule. You, you know, road games against BYU and Washington and, uh, and Notre Dame. If USC starts off like two and four, do you think that a change midseason for the third coach in a row is on the table? Or do you think that's no way that can happen? Uh, potentially, I would hate to see that happen to Clay, but I mean, listen, if, you go, if they go two and four, you know, that's probably, I, I, I would have said there, there was a great chance if Cliff was still here. Um, and what an amazing story that is. I mean, because that's someone that I actually know 
pretty well. And when he got fired from Texas Tech, if you would have told him he would have had a um, NFL head coaching job, he would have called you great. <laughs> I mean, he was happy that I, I, I jokingly said, hey, man, come because he loves Manhattan Beach. And, uh, you know, as you know, he right, was already right. going to come there. So <laughs> the fact that he got a NFL more, head more coaching Instagram job. from Arash. Like, well, that's with, true. With I took stuff. him to Strand House. Yeah. I think I helped our cause Arash a little bit. Arash was recruiting Cliff yeah. Kingsbury, yeah. But, if, I mean, if he had told him at that point he was going to get a, 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 a head coaching job, in the NFL, he would have called you crazy. Uh, but um, I, I think in that scenario, it would have made sense. I mean, who would be the person, uh, you think, if, if Clay goes midseason? I mean, oh, that's, that's an interesting question. Yeah, that is an interesting I question. mean, there's not really, as far as the staff goes, like if the offense was killing it, I mean, do they go with the Graham right. Harrell? I mean, I if T was still there, it would be T. It would really T. But you'd probably have to go with either Clancy Pendergast or like a John Baxter or yeah. something, wow. which is kind of strange. Yeah, which yeah. is really... <laughs> so... They might not do that just because, of, you know, they, they don't have a lot of yeah. coaches who could to take that uh, job. But, yeah, I don't know. I hope that doesn't happen for Clay. Uh, I'm in this weird position. I don't know if you guys agree where, like, you, you don't want, you wish Clay does well. And I hope the, the best for Clay because he's one of, like, the nicest guys. I would like to see them bring in a new head coach. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, Clay, I mean, Clay's <laughs> been always great with us. He's, yeah, he's, he's like one of the yeah. nicest he is really one so. of the nicest guys. People and get mad at us when we say that too much. No, they hate it. Like, yeah. they're like, I mean, oh. I, by the way, that's a great trait to have. He's a good human being. Yeah. I would send my kid to college to go play for him if he was the quarterback coach or offensive coordinator at USC. Yeah. I would like another head coach. But that's just, you know. Yeah. What else <laughs> this got crowd here? is spicy. No, no. I, <laughs> I mean, I guess final question. Do you, yeah. When do you think USC could return to glory days? If oh, you will? I mean, that, that happens... I, that could happen next year. That could, that, it, it's so quick. I, I go back to um, when Paul Hackett's last year and Pete took over, and I said, you know what? Like, the talent's there. And, and despite the fact that they went 6-6 six and six that, that, that first year, if you guys remember, like, they only lost one game by more than, like, a touchdown. I mean, they, they were, it was very close. And then that next year, they're... Um, they're 3-2. and two. They could have easily been 3-3, been three and three, and then... It just it just clicked. Yeah, and I remember like that uh, game in Eugene where they like they 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 won big, and I and I turned to my friend and I said, I, I think this might be the best team in the country. They're not going to compete for the national championship because they, they've lost twice, but that moment just happens, right? And I think if you have a um, a new head coach and a new system in place, and and you know. I, I don't think they're more than a year away from competing for a national championship again. Nice. All right. Well, that's Arash Markazi, Woo! Los Angeles Times. Thank you. Thanks, Arash, thank for coming you guys. on. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank Thanks. you. We had to get him on a little earlier, let him go, but thank you so much. We're going to get Gerard Martinez back here. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Um, just want to thank you guys all. Now we got a little break, Gerard. We're going to come back up. I uh, just want to thank everyone for coming since we have a uh, quick second here in between. We're recording a podcast while we're doing all this, and we wanted, I wasn't sure how much of like, we want to make, like, we ought to be able to mingle and do stuff. So we'll try to get some of these interviews and stuff uh, out of the way. We'll mix out. I'll come out and we'll kind of talk with people and stuff. Um, there's food over there, uh, the, the food truck. There's obviously beer and stuff right here. We do appreciate everyone coming out here. I want to thank MD3, who's, uh, where is he at? Is he around here somewhere? Thanks so much. Church and Coaches Club. So keep really, he, uh, he likes beer a lot. He said, hey, let's go to Common Space Brewery and go check this place out. And I'm like, all right, we can do that. Uh, but he's really helped. He's been, uh, you know, one of the organizers of this and helped promote this. So we, I mean, it was a great idea. We've, we've done, like, th in-person things like this before. But, it's, you know, it's weird, especially in June. 
after five and seven seasons, like how, yeah. how, how excited are people going to be? We had, we had probably had our best event ever in Texas, in Austin. We had like 250 people at a random little bar in Texas. So how many people were here for that? We had some, yeah, we had some people. It was pretty, it was amazeballs. It was like crazy. There was, <laughs> we, there was a line out the door. It was all USC people. And uh, it showed there's like, there's a lot of passion there with the fans. They wanted to see some winning and stuff. So, but really things have turned in a more positive direction since, you know, we talk, we're going to talk about Brew McCoy and stuff again. Since when, when Brew McCoy was transferring out in January, USC had no strength and conditioning coach. Uh, they had no offensive coordinator. There was a lot of weird stuff going on. But since then, I think a lot of the moves that Clay Helton's made have been really good. And, you know, I, Graham Harrell's just, I think, has been a, a breath of fresh air. And I think it's all been positive. So I think there's a real chance here for things to be kind of turned around. And I think just the showing of this room kind of shows that there are people. USC fans want the team to be good, obviously. Yes, so we really appreciate that. But MD3 has been awesome. He's on a lot of the different boards. He's been the... You're the president right now of the Trojan Coaches Club, right? So uh, he had so MD3. That's his nickname, but it's short for Michael Donovan the Third. Don't call him Michael. Don't call him Mike. He doesn't like any of that. But just call him that. Two degrees from USC, real estate development uh, and design consulting business here in the South Bay called MD3 Property Solutions. So I just want to thank MD3 for all the help and stuff he did. Here. Yeah. And if you want to be part of the Trojan Coaches Club, make sure you talk to him. And we got my Franny's over there. What's up? How are you? Uh, so if you haven't signed in, there's a little uh, sign-up sheet and stuff over there. So check it out. So this is awesome. I don't know. We got a lot of people. This is great. Yeah, thanks, everyone. It's really out. amazing. So thanks for coming out. This is not, like I've only been here twice, but the beer is pretty damn good. And uh, if you guys like that, so it's good. Well, let's get back into the uh, the Brew McCoy stuff. Anybody have any questions for Gerard? Yeah, come on up. Come on up to the microphone. Yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. See now, ah. do I have a question? <laughs> like, I, have I have a question. question. I can right, not have you. to stand in front of Tell everybody. Tell us your name. Inquisition. <laughs> Marla Brown. Here, get close. Yeah. Andrew Gradalum. Question is this: With the transfers being apparently random with the transfer portal now, what effect do you think this is going to have on signing day, which was supposed to be the day of commitments and that? Because this is just extending this this change and change right up until the start of you know enrollment. Yeah. Which which signing day? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a really good question. Thank you for that because. Not only is like February signing day being kind of like diminished Diluted, a little yeah. bit because of December, yeah. but now even if you sign on either one of those, does it really matter, Gerard? What 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 say you, Gerard? Again, it, it really comes down to the petitions and the waivers and the ability for the players to play right away. If the NCAA decides that they're going to allow players to just go back and forth without any sort of repercussion, then yeah, it's it's going to get worse. Um, but if there are those sort of roadblocks in the way from being able to play right away, I think players are going to start to kind of pause and say, okay, I really have to make this decision, and I really have to make sure that this is the place where I want to go, or I'm going to have to sit out. Now, obviously, for Brew McCoy, uh, Chris Trevino has had a source that's uh, been pretty on about some of the things that he's been thinking and going through with the process. He's kind of resigned to the fact that he's probably not going to play next year. And so, you know, how that works with the NCAA, somebody asked me, I mean, he, we know he's going to have his initial counter spot back. He doesn't have a new initial counter spot. USC doesn't have to make a new place on the roster for him. He has that place that he had before he transferred. But somebody asked me, well, technically, because he's back at USC, does that mean that he can play next year because he's back at the school that he was originally at before he played it down? 
To my knowledge, no. He is a transfer. He's a transfer, which is a transfer, which is a transfer. Even though he's back at, or he's not back yet. Chill out there for a second. <laughs> right. Um, even if he goes back to USC, he will still have been a transfer from Texas, just as if he would have transferred somewhere else and been back at USC or any other school, he's still labeled as a transfer. So to my knowledge, no, he was, he's probably going to have to sit out. And the fact is, there's really not a way to say that, you know, he has a hardship. And that's the whole thing behind the transfers, being able to play right away. You have to claim some type of hardship, and that hardship has to be deemed by the NCAA worthy enough that it's okay. You had to go back to wherever you were going. You can go ahead and play. Uh, it wasn't really, the decision wasn't yours. You were forced into having to go and transfer out of that school. Um, you, you can't say that he was, you know, uh, had a family sick this close to home because he's transferring back home. So if yeah. he goes yeah. to USC, the hardship's probably out the window. So that goes to with resigning to the fact. So, but in terms of, yeah, more of this happening and, you know, it's just sort of the way it goes. Social media has a lot to do with it. The transfer portal right now is sort of a sexy thing. It's sort of a cool thing. A lot of kids are seeing guys go into it. I think one of the biggest issues I have with the transfer portal is that transfers right now, technically you are looked at as a recruit when you leave the school that you're at. I mean, you get five more official visits. You get loved up again. You get all that yeah. stuff from the recruiting process again. And some guys just like to be recruited. So you have to watch that. And I think there needs to be some parameters set on that specifically because I think kids right now just see it being, oh, wow, it's an attention-seeking type of thing. And they can jump in the, you know, in the transfer port hole and, uh, and get lost in there and just be a recruit for you know, forever. I mean, you could literally... 30 years old and transferring. <laughs> I mean, you might, five more official visits. You might see, like, players, like, after their sophomore year, like, I'm going to go in the transfer portal and, like, take an official visit to Hawaii, you yeah. know, and, like, you know, do stuff like that in Miami. I mean... It'll be fun to just come back. To, to interject something kind of, and again, I don't want to derail it, the conversation, but, you know, Velas Jones is sort of in limbo right now because he was in the transfer portal, and he is... Uh, Sort of looks like he might end up back at USC. We're not sure. It's sort of being talked about. And certainly USC has to figure out where they are with rides. They should be good because the, the 85, they've got some room there. Um, but that's one of those situations where you had a kid that left and he took some visits and he's like, well, okay, I might want to come back. Yeah. The coaches right now, that's on them. If they want to take a kid back, and that's going to be an interesting thing if, you know, how does that play in your locker room? How does that yeah. play chemistry-wise where some guy decided, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this team anymore, goes, takes three or four official visits, then decides he's going to come back, and it's like, oh, okay, everything's cool now, you know, I, I'm, I'm a good teammate again. Uh, I yeah. don't know how that works. Yeah. There's, like, a lot of freaking people here. This is yeah. crazy. Thanks for coming out, everybody. This is awesome. Don't Do we have any other questions? Up. Nick has a question. Oh, well, Greg, Nick, whoever, who, who wants to go first? Oh, sniped. Yeah, Greg's sniping you, Nick. <laughs> Hey, hi, Greg here. Uh, regarding the um, the eligibility for Brew, right? So I don't, forgive me. I'm one movie shy of a full reel. Um, we had a running back whose father was a coach, and his father, I think, for the 49ers this oh, couple of years ago, and he yeah. went over Amir to Carlisle. Northwestern. Was it Amir Carlisle? Carlisle, yeah, 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 or Notre Dame, wherever he went. He went to his hardship was. That his father and their family moved, correct? Back, you know, to the Midwest. Yes, and he was here. Right. So that was his hardship claim. Yes, that's not hardship. That is preaching not to hardship. the choir. Now, he what the NCAA decides and, and what they view in this in the, with these yeah. definitions is he, all in the air. He doesn't have a sick grandmother or a right. dying parent, correct? Like has been typical. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, his, his dad was actually working at Purdue. He was a strength and conditioning yeah. coach. And, yeah, he called the hardship to be able to go to Notre Dame and play right away because he wanted to be closer to his family. His family was in the Bay Area, yes. which is, you know, not necessarily L.A., but it, he was close enough. And so when they moved for work, he wanted to transfer. He did that for, as a hardship. So, I mean, Justin Fields, there's a lot of questions. It's, again, you know, how does the NCAA want to define it? I think the NCAA right now is trying to be as laissez-faire as possible on a lot of these things because – and I don't want to get into some diatribe here, but it's all about pay for play, and they don't want to revolt from the players. So they're kind of giving in on a lot of these matters, and they're letting kids do what they want to do. Is it for the betterment of actually college football, or is it just, hey, let's just keep it going as long as we can until this new system comes in and, and, and players decide we're not playing for free? And I can appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, Brew ought to be able to play. He hasn't played a down in a real game. Yes, he's attended a class or a semester or a quarter, whatever they do over there. So anyway, yeah. and my second thing, uh, next question is, it'll be the last one, is... You're not allowed to have two questions. All right. No, no, go ahead, Greg, it's fine. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, You're I forgot what here. it was now. Oh, Ryan. Good job. For the win. Good job. Sorry, Ryan. Greg. No, no, sorry about that. So, so I think there's going to be some tweaks to the NCAA transfer portal, to Greg's, to Greg's point, because it is kind of a strange situation right now. They want to make things so. I love we have dogs barking. We want to make things. It's Jake's dog. Is it? I is, think it's is Quebec. Quebec here? Is Quebec here or no? Oh, no, he's not here. Sorry, no, Jake. we have another dog here. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think they want to make some changes. They're going to have to tweak some things because there's going to be a lot of players that are out in the cold. There are like thousands of players in the NCAA transfer portal and just not a lot of open spots for them to, to land anywhere. So I think they're going to have to make some kind of tweaks. Uh, and eligibility is very strange. You have things where they're getting denied for, like, sick grandmother, but uh, someone made some comment in a class, and you can go, you can transfer and play right away. So it's, it's not very consistent right now, which is kind of typical of the NCAA. Yeah. All right, we got okay. Nick up here. Nick, a veteran of USCFootball.com events. And, and a veteran yeah. of the Army. Yeah. <laughs> and this Thanks is Nick from uh, Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick, 2-1-USC from the P. Yep. Uh, I got two questions. One, what's the latest at, of Chris Steele at 403? p.m. on June 1st, <laughs> yeah, as well as my second part, Justin Flo, and uh, Fight On. Thanks, Nick. The Chris Steele situation. So that's a, that's a, a little bit of a Brew McCoy mini situation. Um, <laughs> committed to Oregon uh, a couple weeks ago uh, after he had transferred from Florida. USC was actually not in his top three at that point. Uh, behind the scenes, it was actually Oklahoma, Oregon, and then USC. So now we're looking at things. He's continued to have conversation with USC, still has a dialogue with USC. His parents 100% want him at USC. No, no doubts about that. They've always wanted him at USC, but I give them credit. Uh, we talked about this, and this is another, you know, kind of talking about Bruce McCoy as well. Parents did not want to make him make a decision they wanted. They, they, it was hands off. Listen, you're a young man now. You go ahead, you make the decision, and you live with that decision. When he went to Florida, obviously that decision didn't work out so well. So second time around, we kind of think, all right, his parents have the I told you so card sort of in their back pocket, but he wanted to go to Oregon. He has a very good relationship with Dante Williams, the defensive back coach at Oregon. Uh, that's kind of the main reason is he feels like Oregon, the coaches are all sort of on the same page. He doesn't have that relationship with Greg Burns. Greg Burns is just coming in. Greg Burns really didn't recruit him very much at Oregon State. Because, well, Oregon State's not really recruiting those four-star level, five-star level guys. Yeah. So it's still one of those things where I think 
and we talked about this on the podcast last week, the Brugel-Coy situation may impact this to some extent. You kind of see Brew if he ends up back at USC. Chris Steele kind of looks at that and goes, oh, man, you know what? Maybe they're getting the game back together. Maybe things are kind of on the upside and the upswing at USC. And so I think that might play a little bit towards this. He's still committed to Oregon. Um, it, it would still be a little bit of a surprise if he didn't end up at Oregon. But I'm, I'm saying that there is a possibility USC still has a shot. USC's not completely out of it yet. So as of right now today, I would say uh, 65% Oregon. All right. You know. So the door is still open for USC. There's still Chris a little Dale. bit. Of, and they're still talking to him. And he's still, you know, in, in entertaining that conversation yeah. with USC. His four-star defensive backs, cornerback from uh, St. Bos- John, John Bosco, Bosco High School, Bellflower, uh, and, and actually committed to USC, committed to several schools. We did yeah. a piece on him for 24-7 where he talked about he committed to seven different schools <laughs> through the process. Some of those silently committed. Seven commits. But, you know, I mean, you talk about – but, again, it's one of those things, you know – I understand as a parent going through the recruiting process, and I say I understand not from first-person experience, but from the standpoint of projecting and seeing where a parent is, you do not want to, to force your kid into a decision. You don't want your child to have to go somewhere because if it doesn't work out, it's going to end up back on you. They're going to be 26 years old. They're going to be at home with a blown ACL, and they're going to go, see what you made me do? See? Yeah. And, and nobody wants to be put in that situation, so you, you kind of have to let them make those decisions. And this is sort of why you're seeing some of these decisions, maybe not great decisions, because they're 17-year-olds yeah. and they're 18-year-olds and not necessarily have their priorities in order. All right. Nick also wanted to know about five-star linebacker. Justin, Justin Flo. US, it's, it's USC or the SEC. That's, that's kind of how it is. The SEC is going to put up a real fight. USC's got to win football games, and Clay Helton has to secure his seat as a head coach. And, that, and you know, those things are actually tied at the hip. So, yeah, USC's got to win games. they got to win, I think, 11 games to keep the SEC at bay, and it's still going to be a fight. They're all in for him. Georgia, LSU, Alabama. Uh, it's going to be a, a pretty crazy recruitment, Justin Flokes. Awesome. All right. Well, thank Gerard, thanks so much. Am I done? You're done? Yeah, you're you Gerard. Say, he, like, made notes for this. Are you sure? Do you have anything else to say, Gerard? Do have, no, do I, don't, any... I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Gerard. Uh, we so we want to try to keep okay. this moving along. We want to have some space where we can just kind of, like, uh, ling- uh, you know, uh, mingle. Linger, mingle a little bit. Chat. What's wrong? I don't know what's going on over there. Okay. Is it really loud? Oh, sorry. We're too loud? No, they're oh, loud. Oh, talking. Yeah, that's oh. okay. Uh, we're, we're, so let's, uh, we're going to bring up Bruce Feldman. Is Bruce around? Bruce? Bruce. Come on up. Yeah. Oh, Bruce. is that Ben? Uh, his son Ben is here. Uh, so if you guys don't know, thanks, thanks Gerard Martinez. Follow him on Twitter at Gmart Live. Good job. Gmart if you have Live. any recruiting questions, he loves to talk recruiting. You can kind of come up to Go him and talk him. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, our next uh, special panelist, and we got. I'm sorry, Jake's sitting here like very uh, patient. We'll, Jake's going to be up next. Sorry about that, Jake. We'll get you up here. Um, we have Bruce Feldman, uh, good friend of mine. Ben, you want to come on? Come on up, Ben. Or you can sit there. Thank you for coming. Uh, so Bruce and I met many, actually also during the Pete Carroll era. You can put the headset on and stuff. Way back in the day, uh, he moved out here and we like became friends and we're in each other's weddings and stuff. But I you know, really appreciate uh, Bruce as a friend. He just happens to be like pretty much the foremost authority on college football as far as breaking news and stuff like that. You can see him on sidelines at games for Fox Sports. Uh, he works with Brady Quinn and uh, was it Joe Davis? Mm-hmm. Joe Davis, and then also he writes for the Athletic, uh, which is a new publication and another premium publication. It's a, it's a really good job. Uh, Bruce, thanks for coming on, Bruce. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Thanks, Ryan, for having me. 
It's sad that I know this, but I remember the first time I met Ryan, it was at the Big Walk. So was it? It was, yeah. Um, so anyway, Ryan's been a great friend, and I, I appreciate what he does, and he's got a great staff. So uh, my crew at Fox, we actually did three USC games last season. We did the Stanford game, which was not a good game for USC, and then we did the night game against CU, where CU was undefeated, and I thought, I thought USC, that was probably one of the best games they had last year. And then they did, uh, we did the UCLA game, which I would imagine felt like the low point for them. That was, yeah, that was. <laughs> Changed the defense, so. Yeah. So <laughs> that was probably low. I was actually, so I tried to get Colin Coward to come out today. I was on the phone with him a little earlier. What uh, are you trying to say? I'm the, I'm the, I'm the Fox B crew? The, you're the, the definitely, B. oh, way B. That there, there seemed to be kind of a disbelief that a team that had 54 like underclassmen was able to beat USC. And it just seemed like that definitely had to be the low point. I mean, it had to be the low point for USC. Yeah. Um, you know, it was crazy because I remember coming out to USC spring practice at the end of spring ball this year. And it had been so much of, I think what everyone kind of talks about on your, on the peristyle felt like it had kind of seeped into the locker room where it was just kind of like a, uh, dejection or, or, or whatnot, and then it felt like that was for the offseason, whether it was the stuff with Cliff. Uh, I like Graham. I think Graham was a good hire, but there was a lot of other ups and downs and mostly downs, and the recruiting wasn't I – mean, it wasn't a bad class, but it wasn't what we've come expect USC to, to close yeah. with. Yeah. And you saw a lot of those kids who you would think go to USC end up at Oregon this year, you know, especially someone to Washington. Um, so I think that, that changed. And then I remember going out to spring practice and you look around and you're like, well, they actually have a lot of players. You kind of almost forget how much talent is there. Lots of really impressive guys in the front seven, four or five like receivers who, you know, I think Clemson, and Alabama probably have a better group, but I'm not sure anybody else has a more impressive group beyond yeah. those two. And there are pieces there. So you, you kind of look and go, well, if they can somehow get it together, they should be a top 25 team. I don't know how much more than that necessarily because a lot of other things need to happen. But And then you, I kind of reminded back to that night at the Rose Bowl where it's like the guy who ran all over them, ran for 300 yards, was like an average running back at an FCS school. Yeah. you know, And they couldn't quite figure out what happened. And I think they had some personnel that probably you know, was mismatched and they just didn't make adjustments. And I, I think it just had to be kind of really kind of soul-sucking to be in that point where you can't stop it. And you're like, well, these are the guys who are, you know, they only won two other games. Right. Yeah. So, and it's your arch rival. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I think the bar is so high here, you're just kind of surprised that it can drop this low. Yeah. Way to bring the room down, Bruce. Way to <laughs> I know, down. I know. Bring so. up UCLA. <laughs> no, okay. So one of the unique things, and I, well, let's get Bruce's, he has a national perspective. One of the unique things about USC is, in 2016, when you're talking about a team that gets blown out by Alabama and goes one and three, I don't know if there's any program in the country that could win the Rose Bowl that year. Like, that's freaking insane to me. And then talking about a, a team that goes five and seven and loses to a pretty horrible UCLA team, but you look, at the, you look in the spring and they make a few coaching changes and you look at the roster and you're like, that team could win the Pac-12. Like, is it, I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of programs that you could say that. No, and I think some of it, you wondered, okay, how much of the win in the Rose Bowl was Sam comes in and Sam kind of gives, I, I think what you need is some good things to happen. And I think Sam was, a, was something that was like a rallying cry. And if you can find that or that emerges where it's like what I felt like 
and this is just as an outside observer, and you know, we would sit in our coaches' meetings before before the games, is you wondered, USC didn't really feel like it had an identity the last couple of years, or at least that last year. You know, when, when Sam Darnold was there and we did a couple of his games where I just felt like he got everybody going and there was a there was a different level of belief there where I don't know necessarily where that was and it doesn't mean they can't get that back because there's plenty of there's a lot of talent there um i just think it's hard when every there's a level of uncertainty and you wonder where the leadership is just because of you know the athletic director and then you have a president coming and going and you have some other issues so um you know i wouldn't count usc out at this point it's just i don't know what you know i heard you guys talk about urban meyer before and i don't know exactly what if i'm a usc fan i want from 2019 because probably the last thing you want is eight and four or nine and three yeah um you either want the band-aid completely ripped off or you want them to you know i think most people if you ever dealt with clay helton you probably genuinely like him i think he is a a genuinely decent person in a profession where the head coaches aren't always that nice always (laughs) that you know, and I think there's they do have some really good assistants, and I think Graham Harrell was a really good addition. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see what what they do with it. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on the? You're working. Your Urban Meyer is now your colleague, and uh, I tweeted this out. <laughs> he was yeah. on. He was on with our buddy Cowherd yesterday, and I tweeted out like Urban Meyer's on with Colin Cowherd, and it's like it gets a lot of reaction on Twitter. So there's there's USC fans on both sides. They hate it or love it or whatever. Like. What do you, you think he's going to coach again anywhere? I don't think Urban knows. I really don't think, like, he can say, I'm never going to coach again. I, I think that he is such a kind of creature of the moment that, you know, it could get to be October and he's like, this is not who I am. I'm not, I shouldn't be in a green room hanging out with these guys. I'm not, that's not me. I don't want to hang out with Bruce Feldman. I, I don't want to hang out with Matt Leiter, Red Bush, and I don't want to hang out with Rob Stone or, you know, or certainly Brady Quinn. I got to go. You know, I think he's, but right now, I think we did the, uh, I think it was the Nebraska game. It was either Nebraska, we did two games last year, Nebraska and, um, and Indiana, both at, at Ohio State. And one of those games, I remember they scored a touchdown and Urban is like 10 feet in front of me. And he is down on one knee right when the guy is celebrating in the end zone and something's wrong. You know, I think he genuinely was you know, in a bad place health-wise, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of that is brought on by stress. You know, if he goes and be, he becomes a head coach somewhere again, does he risk those issues? Is that what he wants? Yeah. I mean, I have no doubt that if he ever did go back and coach at a level like USC, I'm, I suspect he would not necessarily say it, he would say, I'm cleaning house, but I think if he was going to come to a place, he's going to have to have certain things done the way he wants them in terms of the recruiting department, in terms of player development, and some of those things that I'm not sure that right now that they're, that, they're, that they're kind of wired that way. So, you know, at this point, I mean, I've said that. I, I just don't think he knows. Yeah. And so I don't know where they would go, you know, who, who, who people here would necessarily want and who would want that job and who would be a fit. You know, every time you hear you know, USC comes open, it's like they, I feel like they don't get the guy that you think they should get because it's USC and it's like, why are they getting guys who like, I know you've said this before, we got a head coach that probably would have been the Memphis head coach. Yeah. Right. And you wonder about that and it's a big job and they have a lot of resources and and to me, and I've gotten into arguments with people about this where to me, USC is 
the clear top, it's the flagship school of this conference, as good a job as Ohio State is, you still have kids who may go to Michigan or they may go to Penn State or they could go to Notre Dame or whatever. It's like you're all in that area. Here you have an even deeper talent pool and you're the clear, you know, dominant program. And so that's, I mean, to me, that's a very attractive thing. Plus you're at a private school, which has some pluses. You have history that is second to none in terms of that. Um, there's just a lot. I, I mean, for people who go, oh, there's a negative. It's really expensive to live out there. Well, the money that USC would pay a coaching staff, you know, that's not, they're not, you know, assistant coaches aren't going to be making $100,000 to live out here. Yeah. And the head coach is going to make so much money that could, that would work in Guam or anywhere else <laughs> you'd live well. So, Guam, big college football hotbed, Guam. Yes. Keely, if you have anyone has a question for Bruce, you can kind of make your way up there. Keely, do you have anything in the meantime? Yeah, or? I mean, you. But come on up with the microphone if you have a question for Bruce. From our perspective, you can kind of get in a bubble where you're only thinking about USC and you can kind of mold your opinion. You're more on the outside national opinion. And as well, you said you're in coaches' meetings. What's kind of the national perspective of USC and kind of this downward trend they're in, not only from fans, I guess, but also from just coaching circles? Yeah, the biggest thing I had always heard was. It's USC. You have to. Screw, you almost have to screw it up for it not to be a great team. And I think there's a lot of people who look at it and go, "Man, the you know the leadership there is such a head scratcher." And when I say the leadership, I'm not necessarily saying in this case Clay Held. I'm yeah. talking above him. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember we. I was doing a, the podcast I work on when I was told Lynn Swan was getting the job. I almost drove off the interstate because <laughs> I was just like, it just seemed. <laughs> Like such a, in some ways, it seems like a USC kind of thing, Yeah, you know, where it's like you take somebody who is obviously a great player and could be successful, but it's like they have no experience as an administrator, yeah. right? So um, I think people look at that and go, it's very dysfunctional. Yeah. We have a question, Bruce. Please, Bruce, state, please so state your name, too. Gene Page. Thanks, what, Gene. What's the over-under on Lynn Swan? Will he make it to July 1st, the new president, or... Uh, I would say the, I would take the, un, I don't know about July 1st. I would take the under on October 1st. Really? I don't think he's going to be the AD by, I mean, I don't know anything for a fact, but if I, if you ask me, I don't think he would be the AD, uh, by, you know, they have this rough six game stretch out of the gate. I, my guess is he would not be the AD by then. I think the new president is going to get settled in Whoa. and figure out what claps from the audience yeah. so. those, listening on the those are people are clapping for Lynn Swan so for, if you don't know July 1st is the, the date that Carol Folt the new president of USC will take over yeah so, so, so you would think so you would think that you know with her taking over you think it might take a few months if they're going to make some sort of change I would think now look it could happen before the season I wouldn't shock me at all I was just saying that if that's the start date from what I w was, my understanding is she's going to take some time to sort things out. And that process could be going on right now. Um, but you have to keep in mind, and this is not to say that I think anyone's definitely writing off Clay Helton, but if you're going to make that decision at some point, I don't think they, they want to be in a position where Lynn Swan is going to be hiring the next USC head coach. Interesting. So. Wow. All right. More Do we have any other questions for Bruce? Yeah, come on up. Thanks. Please come state your name down. and... Hey, uh, Greg St. Clair. Bruce, how are you? Greg, Love thank the you. podcast. Thank you. Uh, do you like Bruce, could, the Bruce is the audible, too, if you like the audible podcast. we could get the coach with us. Love the coach, Harvey we, Hyde. We, uh, <laughs> I know. I don't know why Harvey Hyde's not here. Yeah. Um, my question really, um, I, 
in the NC2A football arms race, I'm concerned that the Pac-12 is falling behind financially. I think our commissioner needs to go. And I'm really concerned about the conference's ability to compete nationally uh, if we continue to see $10, $15 million of gap between our school's revenue and the SEC and the ACC and everything else. So I'd love your yeah. thoughts. I think you have like you. three separate things that are going on in there. The, the first one, the, the Larry Scott issue, I think, is a real frustration because I think the, the, the issue with them is they spend so much time trying to prove that they're smarter than everybody else that, they, that they're not focusing on the main thing that they need to do to service college athletics and their fans, right? The fact that we all live here, I assume we all live in Southern California, and a lot of you probably don't have, the, have access to the Pac-12 network, which doesn't make sense, right? Um, so there's that. Yeah, look, there, look, there's a lot of things that I think you're not going to have the, what the Big Ten and the SEC necessarily have because USC football is a little different. I would put, like, you know, Oregon has a passionate fan base. I think Utah, to, to it relatively does. Washington does. But across the board, you don't see that. So the numbers aren't going to be the same. But I think they've made a lot of decisions that were very short-sighted and they've kind of blown up in their face. The one thing I would say is in terms of the revenue, when you look at the numbers that came out, the dollar figures per school in the last two weeks, the Pac-12 actually makes the same as what the ACC does. The ACC, obviously, they won a football national title with Clemson and a basketball national title with Virginia. So I don't think, like, I don't think that's a complete explanation for why it can happen. I don't think USC is lacking for resources. I mean... You know, I had family come out to take a visit of the whole campus and just, you know, everything USC has is very first class operation in terms of from a resource standpoint. And whatever Clemson has, I mean, Clemson's in the ACC, they're lower than the Big 12. They're certainly lower than the Big 10 and the, and the SEC. I mean, Clemson has everything they need, you know, to do it. I just think it comes back to your individual leadership. But that doesn't mean that Larry Scott is not a big issue. And I think that's a problem for the conference presidents have kind of screwed that up. And the other part I was going to say where there's three levels, and this is something that I've kind of learned from just, you know, all my time around Ryan and, and a lot of hearing the dialogue that, that folks like you have is if you're USC, and this goes back to being like the flagship school, you have to think about, you know, we are, we are the rising tide that is lifting the boats of Oregon State and Washington State and the other programs and is this in our best financial interest? You know, could we do a deal where Notre something? I'm not saying it's exactly what Notre Dame does, but it, would it be in our in our best financial interest and interest going forward to say, you know, we want to we want some level of independence because we're not cutting the best deal for ourselves. You know, and you have these huge resources. You're in a you know the second biggest media market and the biggest media market related to you know the college footprint. Can you do something better? And I, yeah, but even beyond that, I mean, the longer network, what's what the Big 12 has third party rights. So when you see that dollar figure, it's, it's not real when it comes necessarily with the Big 12 because the Longhorn network, their Texas, Oklahoma, and even West Virginia have third party rights that push themselves pretty high up. Could the, could USC do a third party deal? Would they have to restructure with the Pac 12? Or should somebody at USC, you know, you have a lot of powerful people. Could they get together and say, look, do we really want to, are we really committed to the Pac-12 as is? 
or do we want to rethink this? And I, I would, you know, I'm surprised that they don't have bigger discussions to just think about what, what they could have on the table because it's not across the board where you like, you have a, a wrestling conference, which is like six schools. They're not, they're not all in the Pac-12, but it's representative. So do you just say, hey, we want to break away or we want to ex- explore some other options? Yeah. Thanks for the question. Thank you for awesome. Do we have any other uh, questions for Bruce? We can go ahead. Come on up. You got to come up to the microphone. We can't, you know, we can't hear you otherwise. Steve Aquilly, Kahuna 310. Uh, what about a realignment to the Pac-12? I don't know who would be ideal if you were going to say, like, we're just talking about the, the third party rights for the Big 12. You know, who do you, who would you want in the, in the Pac-12? I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it would have to be Texas or Oklahoma. I mean, I don't think you adding San Diego State or, or Fresno or, or Boise State, that, I don't think that's going to add much for the league. So it's, it would have to be Texas and Oklahoma, which was, you know, close. I don't know what it was, eight years ago or whenever it was. So there's, there's that option. But I think you have to sit down and go, okay, what is financially makes a lot of sense when TV deal comes up and everything else? I mean, right now, Texas and Oklahoma are, you know, their top 10 programs in football. And football drives the bus. It's just for, the, for their purposes, it's going to make financial sense for what Texas has for them to come out here. Whereas, I don't know, if you were, the, if you were USC, would you think, would, be, would, would we be more attractive to look at other options? Yeah. Bruce, that's one of the things I kind of harp on on the podcast sometimes is that USC does, you know, as far as money goes with the TV money for the Pac-12, USC is a big driver behind that. And like programs like Oregon State and Arizona, they're kind of benefiting from that. Even with the way USC's performed over the last couple of years, do you think that exploring a potential, you know, leaving the Pac-12 with a UCLA go to a Big 12 or going independent and saying, hey, NBC, you can have the, the Notre Dame game and the USC game and you'll have two, two programs you're covering instead of just one. Is that a realistic possibility for a brand like USC? I think it depends on who your leadership is. I mean, right now, we have, you have a new president. You don't know. I mean, I, right now, Lin Swan is the AD. We, who knows if this if this uh, you know, formula would be different if you had the AD who's now at Texas or somebody else who was, a, who was more, more versed in college athletics. You know, obviously, Lin Swan was a great NFL player and had a great college career, but he did not come up the administrative side, and he just kind of you know, has a different perspective on things. It's not to say he has no idea what he's doing or anything like that, but I just think somebody else who may have a different picture and say, okay, I've got the USC, uh, I've got the, the USC franchise here, if you want to look at it that way. What, is, what does it have the potential to do? Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I'm not, you know, I, but I, I would not be surprised if whoever was in that position said, okay, let's put some stuff out on the table and see what we could do that's best for, for, for our brand and, our, and our, our business. I mean, from my perspective, it's more of just even mentioning that. And then you're like, because right now, USC doesn't get any kind of special benefit from being in the Pac-12. They're just part of this collective where if you're like, hey, we could actually leave and you guys would be out on the lurch, then you're like, okay, we have to make sure we take care of the flagship programs in the conference. So just even the, like the talk, like going out and exploring it, that might make Larry Scott, the Pac-12, like, okay, we got to make sure we take care of USC. Yeah, I mean, that would seem like a, a part of negotiation. I mean, again, I don't know how many people here, if you're a diehard USC fan, and if they're good in basketball that particular year, 
can you see all their games, right? You know, it just comes back to some of that of just like those kinds of connections to the program. I think they pay off down the road where it's like you feel like you're being serviced as a fan. You know, I see it in other parts of the country where, like, I can't tell you how many Ohio State media people I follow, but they're not just talking about Ohio State football. They're talking about wrestling and basketball and all these other things. And if you don't have access to, to showcasing them, I think that's a problem. Yeah. And I just don't know how they, without really trying to meet it head on, how they try to get that rectified. Yeah. All right. All right. Bruce Feldman, everybody. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. It was great. Bruce is good. We got his wife, Christy, and little son. Is uh, Riley here or no? Is Riley here? Oh, Riley's not. Uh, he is twin, twin uh, kid. Thanks so much, Bruce. For, yeah. So a twin boy and girl. So Ben is here. Riley's doing, I don't know, was she out like gallivanting around? Uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break just to kind of give people a chance to grab a beer or something. We'll take a break. We have Jake Olson uh, coming up next, one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. Just so you don't like... So at the uh, couple months ago, we played at the uh, if you guys heard on the podcast and stuff, the uh, Trojan Club uh, out in the desert, and they had asked me to help promote it and stuff, and I and I got to play with Jake and his father Brian. It was like one of like, seriously one of the coolest days of my entire life, just seeing Jake because I when I talked to him, he came on the, our podcast when he was 18 years old, like going into USC, and he was like kind of nonchalantly telling me. Yeah, you know, I play golf. I shoot in the 70s. I was like, what? How did, how, how is that? And uh, I've just always wanted to see it. I remember seeing like one clip on YouTube where him like crushing some balls. Like, okay, so I saw it once, but I like wanted to kind of see it in person. And then what the Trojan Club, when they were asking me to come out and play, I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I didn't expect to be able to in his, his foursome. We ended up having a threesome. And it was really one of the coolest days of my life to see the process him and his dad would go through. My wife, Jan, and I were just kind of watching it, and we got to help him. Jan, I got to help him line up a putt, a birdie putt that he hit, and we were like, we were like cloud nine. So Jake is, uh, he's amazing. So we're going to give him a little break, and we'll have him come up here with uh, Dan Weber and Keely Yore. So thanks for tuning in. Grab a beer or something, and we'll see you guys in a couple minutes. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.